Hey, Cam. How are you, man? I'm getting there, Joel. I'm halfway through uh, a huge bowl of coffee and uh, completely forgot that we were doing this this morning, so I'm glad you uh, reminded me. (laughs) No, no, that's good. Well, look, well, we'll jump right into it then, and then that way I won't take too much of your morning up. All right. Uh, you got any questions for me, or are you just ready to go? <laughs> yeah, well, my only question is, what are we talking about again? Because I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. Welcome to Always Listening. I am your host, Joel Sharpton, and I am always listening. Uh, I'm joined on this episode by Cameron Riley. If you don't know the name, then you don't know anything about Australian podcasting. Cameron is the host of a myriad of shows among them, and the reason why you might know him uh, if you're a fan of my podcast is The Life of Caesar uh, which uh, originally was about Julius Caesar, has morphed into uh, Augustus, and now you've even revived it uh, to continue the um, story uh, recently, right, Cam? You, you've you've got a new episode coming. It sounds like it was dead, and well, we had to put uh, you know paddles on it and start giving it mouth to mouth. I'm not sure that's the, uh, the 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 visual that I want to communicate, Joel. Fair enough, fair enough. But you, uh, you have um, uh, reinvivened it. How about that? Is that a is that a word we could use? Well, it's just yeah, <laughs> reinvivened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just kept going. How there about go. that? You... Yeah, we just uh, Augustus died. We decided we'd do another one, another another emperor. Uh, but not just emperors. Uh, you've got a podcast about Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, the life of Alexander the Great. Um, the one that I've just started enjoying personally is the Bullshit Filter, which is about modern politics and and some of the current issues that uh, our country and or both of our countries actually face. But in particular, you guys seem to be focusing on American politics. Why is it just because it's more interesting currently? Yeah, partly, but also because, uh, you know, we, we live in the age of the American empire. Um, what happens in America affects the world. Uh, so it is the story. Like I always say, if I was doing a podcast in 50 CE, I'd probably be talking about the Roman empire. When America sneezes, the whole world catches a cold. So it is, it is the big story for everybody on the planet. What's going on in the US? Because you're the largest military and economic superpower on the planet. America's fingers are literally in everybody's business and uh, we have to pay attention to what's going on. All right. So let's go back to the beginning, uh, Cam. You have on your website, one of the favorite, one of my favorite things about you, truthfully, is the fact that you don't mind owning your own accomplishments. It's not some, I think it might come off in a braggadocious way to some people, but it's not. It's just, you know, the places where you are good, you know, the places where you stood out first. And in particular, you have been upfront about reminding people that you were the first podcast in australia so how how did it start man like how do you get on this train from the very beginning from before the beginning really well let me i mean expand and contract that a little bit i mean yeah i was the first australian podcaster i started the world's first podcast network um i was the first person to do a skype interview and put it out as a podcast like this i think i also pretty much in the godfather of history podcasting there was um 
one or two history shows available. I think Bob Packett had his history show, but no one had done a long-form history show until I started The Napoleon Show. So, yeah, there's a lot of firsts, but the, the flip side to that is I know nobody gives a shit and it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not saying this because it's a big deal. It's just, it's just history, right? It's the facts. We were there early on. My potted background with that is I, I had uh, been at Microsoft, working for Microsoft in Australia for you know, close to 10 years, left that, got um, sort of bored of the corporate world and decided I was going to take a year off and think about what I wanted to do with the next 10 years of my life. Uh, this was in, I left at the end of June 2004. Coincidentally, in July 2004, I think, Adam Curry uh, invented podcasting. He put out the first podcast. I, I was traveling around Europe at the time, but I got back, heard about podcasting, had just bought my first iPod, which was a big deal for a Microsoft employee buying an Apple product. And started listening to some of the very early podcasts, particularly the because most of them were tech related. And I remember listening to the Engadget podcast. Engadget was a, a, a blog, it might still be, I'm not sure, but it was one of Jason Calacanis's weblogs, Inc. blogs. It was a tech blog. And uh, Phil Tyrone uh, had this podcast on there. Um, talking about technology, and I remember getting really excited about it because for the first time I was, on, on a radio-like format, I was hearing tech industry people talking about the tech industry the way that I talked about the tech industry with my friends, but as opposed to radio or TV in this country, whenever they talked about technology, it was always, well, do you see what the kids are doing with the iPod and the internet thing and the data? It was always dumbed down and stupid as shit. So I got really excited and thought, well, maybe I should just start recording my conversations with my friends and put that out there for other people to listen to. Maybe they'll get as excited about listening to that as I am listening to Phil Tyrone. And I went looking to see if there were any Australian podcasts to listen to. There weren't. So uh, I started one. I jumped on my blog and said, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. Does anyone want to do one with me? There was a guy that I vaguely knew who lived in a different part of Australia, but he said, sure, I'll do it. Then we had to figure out uh, how to make that work and uh, recording Skype calls was way complicated back then and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, no, I think November 2004, I started G'day World, which was uh, initially sort of a technology-focused show. I And it seems to me if there's like a theme, if there's one like central idea that connects all of your different shows, Cameron, and maybe like <laughs> even your public persona, it's cutting through that layer of of BS, that layer of like nonsense uh, that you put on top. So whether you're talking about Napoleon, whether you're talking about modern politics, or whether you're talking about the ancient Roman Empire or, or, or technology, you're just having a conversation like you do have with your friends. And that's, that's what your shows seem to be. That's the message that you continue to put out. I, I mean, do you, is that conscious that, that is that consciously the way that you've approached these different topics? Uh, no, no, it's just, it's just me thinking out loud pretty much like, um, I'm working on a documentary at the moment on early Christianity, uh, which is a similar sort of thing. I've got a putting the finishing touches on a, my latest book, which is about psychopaths running the economy and the podcast. It's all just, they're all just my attempts to explore the world around me and 
try and figure out what's going on. What in terms of the history stuff? How did we get here? Uh, what led us to this point in history? What were some of the defining moments or eras or personalities that shaped the world that we live in today? Whether that's going as far back as Alexander the Great, or you know, Ray and I do a series on the Cold War. Um, we're doing a series on the Renaissance as well. So it, it, I'm just interested in exploring subjects that seem to have had a big impact on civilization and trying to figure out what actually happened, get into the weeds a little bit. Uh, and, I, and I'm just open about here's, here's what I've learned, here's what I think happened, or here's what I think is going on today. And uh, people can feel free to agree or disagree and provide me with different uh, interpretations or different uh, data that they've uncovered and we just have a conversation uh, about it. Uh, I, I'm never saying that my opinion is the only opinion or the right opinion. It's just my opinion based on what I've uh, uncovered in my research and I, I like having a dialogue about these things. I like I like talking about Interesting stuff with intelligent people, which is uh, difficult sometimes in your day-to-day life. Uh, I don't know about you, but I mostly find that I'm surrounded by idiots, Joel. And um, so talking into a microphone, yeah, I'm talking to Ray, who's also a bit of an idiot, but uh, other people get to listen. Uh, Maybe some of them can uh, 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 join in along the way. Let's let's talk about our favorite idiot there. Um, You mentioned you've had a lot of co-hosts over the years. You've worked with the different different people. You've worked solo as well at different times. How did that relationship with Ray start? How do you how do you two guys hook up first? Well, I was uh, up in the attic and there was this old trunk uh, that I opened up, uh, dusty, had to blow the dust off it. And uh, in it, I found this old, tired sock puppet uh, that the kids of days of yore had obviously loved. And I stuck my hand up its butt and, uh, and it started talking to me. Yeah, all in my imagination, of course, and um, that was uh, Ray. No, Ray. So uh, there was uh, some Facebook history group. I don't know. Um, going back a few years ago, um, that I was half paying attention to. I don't think I was really podcasting much at the time. I, I had built the podcast network up from two thousand and four to two thousand and eight. The global financial crisis hit. And I, we, we were pulling in good money from advertising before that. But then all of a sudden, overnight, literally overnight, all of the advertisers disappeared. They were mostly coming out of the US and they disappeared within 30 days. So I took a break from podcasting for four or five years, still kept my toe in the water, but didn't do a lot from 2008 to I think 2013. And then I was on this um, history Facebook group and somebody, Asked the question just broadly to the group, who's a subject, a uh, historical subject uh, that you would like to do a podcast on that you've never done one on before? And, and I said, Julius Caesar. And this guy called Ray Harris said, yeah, me too. I'd, I'd, I'd like to do a thing on Caesar. I didn't know Ray from a bar of soap. Um, and funnily enough, I still get him in a bar of soap confused <laughs> on a regular basis. Um, the about the same IQ as Ray in a bar of soap. Um, bar of soap probably smells better, quite frankly. But anyway, um, smells less like dirty laundry. But anyway, so um, I said, well, let's jump on Skype and have a chat about it, which we did, and we just got along like a house on fire. We, it was one of those instant falling in love moments where we just laughed and had a great time for a couple of hours on Skype. So I said, fuck it, let's, let's do a show. 
so we started the Julius Caesar show, and it was only it was only after we did a few episodes that I realised, in fact, how useless and um, dull Ray is as a human being, and that he was going to bring no value whatsoever. But love is love, Joel. What can I tell you? Um, you know, you, you you don't choose who you love, uh, and you don't love them based on their intelligence or their height. Um, uh, and, you, you know, you can't explain it. So I've been with him ever since, and we do lots of projects together. It's so, it's so crazy. It's a very lucrative partnership, obviously, and it's, it's, it's brought you, you both, uh, seemingly from the outside looking in, it's brought you both a lot of joy in life. What's, what's crazy, Cam, is that I've got a, one of my clients is a, um, uh, an Australian. He lives in Canada now, but he and I did not know each other at all before our first interaction. And it was literally just, as you said, a Facebook post. Uh, he, he just sort of picked me out of a lineup, so to speak. We began working together. I was working on his podcast. And, uh, from that, a, a friendship formed just through the occasional Skype call or, or our chit chat back and forth and, you know, message boards and things like that. And he and I have that same relationship, which just, I don't know, kindred spirits or whatever, you, you seem to fit right right with each other. I mean, you and Ray have very much, you feel like brothers. You feel like people who've known each other all your lives. To know that that comes <laughs> literally almost at random, just through the united interest in Julius Caesar in particular, and happening to be in that Facebook group at the moment. Uh, I mean, thank God for the internet, right? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how you met your wife, but I met my wife uh, at an island in on an island uh, uh, in the Mediterranean. Um, you know, we we sort of met randomly at a conference one day, and we were in love two days later, and we're still together ten years later. And that's just how love works, right? You you just bump into people that you have a connection with, and it for whatever reason it works. Yeah, look, Ray and I, we we we. We make each other laugh, I think, is the thing. We're both interested in history and we make each other laugh a lot. We, we enjoy very much uh, spending hours together just talking about history. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, it's, that's, a, that's a good partnership where you both enjoy doing the thing that you are doing. It has brought us untold fame and fortune along the way, Joel. Uh, my wife would say that the, you both have one very important thing in common. You're both big fans of Cameron Riley. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is uh, to get serious for a minute. This is uh, this is uh, this is a, a, a common misconception. I actually, if you've listened to my uh, Three Illusions podcast, don't believe Cameron Riley exists. Mm. If Cameron Riley is uh, a, a, an illusion, a construct. In fact, if there's any secret to uh, what I do. It's the fact that I don't believe Cameron Riley exists. Excellent. There, do your homework, folks. The, the Three Illusions, it's not a very, uh, that one's not a very long podcast, right? It's a, a, a fairly uh, short uh, treatise there you can, can go binge upon. Cam, it's an interesting industry that we're in, and I feel like we are always, you know, six months away from what's supposed to be our golden years, right? And I think if you go back and read the blogs, that was true in 2004 when you first started out. It was true in 2008 when you faded out. It was true in 2013 when you came back. It was, you know, it's true yesterday. Everybody's always saying, oh, podcasting is just about to hit it big. What I have seen, though, is like steady, continued growth. 
Do you see anything in the podcast industry right now that gives you any pause or concern as somebody who's largely built their their business and livelihood on it? Well, you know, we've we've seen a number of things happen over the last 14 years on the on the positive side. It's a lot easier today for people to listen to podcasts than it was 14 years ago. You know, in 2004, 2005, if you wanted to listen to a podcast, assuming that you heard about it somewhere, you needed to you could Google it and go to the website. You could stream it on the website. If you wanted to download it to your iPod, because there were no iPhones back then or smartphones really of any sort, um, as we'd recognize them today, you you had to download iTunes. You had to uh, search for the podcast in the iTunes directory. You had to subscribe to it. You had to download it to your computer. Then you needed to jack your iPod into your computer, manually transfer the MP3 from the iPod to your thing. You could synchronize it or manually transfer it over in order for you to be able to then go for a run or jump in your car and uh, listen to it, plug in some headphones or whatever you want to do to listen to it. It was a, it was a laborious difficult process for most people. Now, here we are 14 years later, I can say to some, I'm at a cafe and I go just, uh, you know, listen to my podcast. They can pull up any number of podcasting apps on their phone. As they leave the cafe, they can just hit stream and it'll start blasting through their AirPods. So we've come a long way in terms of the usability of podcasting, but it's still, I think, not there yet. Uh, Discoverability is a big problem. I think in podcasting, and um, the other, you know, how, how do you find stuff to listen to? Are you just relying on iTunes or or whatever app you're in to make recommendations? Uh, but of course, the other thing that's happened in the last five years, in particular, is the the podcast directories have been swamped by mainstream uh, content. Very large uh, publishers television, radio, print, and celebrities have taken over podcasting. uh, And uh, even though there are lots of new people discovering podcasting, I think most of them end up listening to content produced by large publishers rather than by individuals like you and me, the the small-scale indie publishers. So that's a big problem, I think, moving forwards for podcasting is how do we get a a, a duplicity of voices uh, into a situation where they can be build a sustainable business around podcasting if they're going to do it full time? Because it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work to produce content on a weekly basis for a show. Uh, and, and to do that, you, you, you need to be earning some money. You're putting time and effort into it. And the economic models really aren't there for that yet. I mean, I'm still shocked and surprised that iTunes don't allow podcast publishers to charge micropayments for podcast subscriptions. When I uh, and Ray started doing our shows again five years ago, I decided this time around I wasn't going to rely on advertising as the economic model. I was going to experiment with user pay subscription, listener pay subscriptions. And there was no technology available to do that. Patreon wasn't around at the time. I had to custom code and build our own premium subscription model, hacking it together with bits and pieces of technology that I found lying around. I had to MacGyver my own solution, 
with sticky tape and chewing gum. <laughs> These days, you can do that a little bit easier with Patreon, but it's still not where it needs to be. The interesting thing about this, and I'm a big advocate of listener pays, is if you can, it gets back to Kevin Kelly's Thousand True Fans model. If you can get a thousand people willing to pay you five or 10 bucks a month to listen to the content that you produce, you can actually create a, a reasonable income out of that, uh, which is you know what Ray and I have managed to do over the last few years, which is why Ray was able to quit his uh, full-time job as the, the person who holds a sheep's testicles when they're um, putting a rubber band around them. I mean, there's not a lot of glory in that job, but, you know, he, he was good at it. Um, cupping testicles in his hands is something that, you know, you can learn that kind of a thing. It's true. You can go to university and learn how to be a testicle cupper, but it's a bit of a dark art and, and it's really an innate talent that he had. That said, we've we've been able to generate enough of an income that he was able to walk away from that. Does he miss it? Yes. Does he go around just randomly cupping people's <laughs> testicles as a way to get that feeling back? Yes. Some some are born some are born to testicle cupping, uh, <laughs> Cam, and and some have testicle cupping thrust upon them. You know, so you know you never know which one which one you are until you're you're in <laughs> the thick of it. I, here's here's the thing that I look at, and I hear a lot, especially to me among. Uh, I, I jokingly call it the podcast intelligentsia. Yeah. You know, the, the people like you that have been in it since the very beginning, people like me who make their full living in and around the industry, when we're together talking and I'm listening, what I'm hearing more and more is this giant concern that any of the dynamic advertising models uh, where you know it's a Burger King commercial before your favorite podcast starts, or a Geico commercial at the thirty-minute mark, or whatever. That those models are wrong. They're going to ruin podcasting. They'll destroy it. But like I, I had this argument today with somebody, Cam. I'm watching YouTube videos all the time. My children are watching more than I am, and Burger King and Geico and and the latest movie is exactly the advertising that's running on those videos. I mean, I don't I don't see necessarily the evil of brand advertising coming into the space as as the end of all that that we've built I, I think for most podcasters the real way to make this an actual living is just as you described it the listener model you get a thousand true fans five dollars ten dollars a month that is a healthy living for anyone as long as you control your expenses and pay down your debt early on but like for the average Joe who wants to pursue their passion in their spare time and will never build an audience big enough to support a real full-time living, I look at what YouTube has done and I say, if we could bring that idea into podcasting in a fully fleshed out way, I think it would be great. I think we would have a birth of new ideas and new creativity, not the death of everything that we've already built. Well, you do you disagree or what are you, what are you thinking? Well, look, I, I don't think it's the death, but I think it's, it's a wasted opportunity. Like I've always believed that in terms of, I, I've got no, I mean, I run a marketing company by day, right? So I have no inherent uh, distaste for the concept of advertising. I think advertising is necessary. If you have a good product or a good service, you need to let potential customers of that product or service know that it exists or they're never going to buy it. That said, um, I think there's a good way of doing advertising and a bad way of doing advertising. And just stuffing uh, dumb, non-connected messaging down pipelines 
um, in a shotgun approach is not a very effective form of advertising, generally speaking, in terms of ROI, and it's annoying for the customers. What I've always advocated for with podcasting is to try and intelligently match advertisers to the show and to the audience of that show. So, for example, going back uh, whatever, how many years ago, 2007-ish, you know, I had a show on the podcast network that was around digital photography and it was supported by a whole range of digital photography advertisers. That was probably our most profitable show, companies that made lenses and cameras and editing software, right? Very, very well targeted advertisers who were getting very good returns on their advertising investment by advertising on that show. Uh, that's the sort of advertising I would love to see on podcasts. The, there's a couple of challenges with that, though. Um, one being not every podcast has as natural a fit. Like, who the fuck advertises on a show about Tiberius Caesar? <laughs> Secondly... Uh, it's a challenge to sell that kind of advertising. It was then and I think it still is now. And I've worked in ad agencies over the years and I know some of the challenges here because the sorts of companies that are going to do that kind of advertising usually aren't huge, which means they don't have dedicated uh, ad agencies representing them. They don't have media buyers. They don't have marketing managers on staff which means somebody needs to go out and find them, which is a lot of work and a lot of effort connecting all of the pieces up. The infrastructure to sell that kind of advertising on small podcasts, even though there might be a, a lot of small podcasts, doesn't really exist still today. There's a number of different players that have been trying to build that, but to the best of my knowledge, none of them are hugely successful. So we end up with mattresses.com and stamps.com and squarespace.com in nine out of 10 podcasts that I listen to, I hear the same ads over and over again, audible.com, the same stuff just uh, filling in the gaps. And I don't think that's the end of the world, but I don't think it's the smartest play either. But the other, the, the other argument with that is that there's not a lot of money in advertising. In order to make any big money out of advertising on podcasts, you need to have a shit ton of listeners that's beyond the reach of most podcasters. If you're a if you're a minor big grade celebrity like a Mark Marin, let's say, and you get access to big A grade celebrities and you can build a, a brand and a show off of that and end up with millions of listeners, yeah, you can make a you can make a buck out of advertising. But if you're a, if you're Joan Smith who's got a podcast on teaching African tree frogs how to tap dance, you may have a small, core, loyal audience. You're not going to ever get uh, uh, enough listeners to make any money out of advertising unless there's somebody out there who breeds African tap dancing tree frogs and they sell them for a million dollars a pop. Maybe, you know, you can make the economics work. But generally speaking, it's not going to work. You've got a far better opportunity of charging $5 a month to your 1,000 African dancing tree frog devotees uh, to, to be able to justify the time and effort you put into the show. Advertising is not uh, a business model that is going to support uh, a podcasting renaissance. You know, I was excited to see Patreon recently bought uh, Memberful, and I don't know a whole lot about the company other than I know that 
There are good creators in the space that had previously used that service to build their own membership programs and sites like what you talked about sort of you know home rolling your own back in the day uh jason snell is one for instance he has sixcolors.net uh writes about apple gear and, and technology in general uh and i believe he runs the incomparable.net the his um uh, or the incomparable.com his pop culture podcast and, and network i think he runs that on the memberful site as as well do you think that that is potentially the future? I mean, you you know, you said Patreon's sort of like halfway doing it, but they haven't adopted it fully. What is the next level of evolution of of that sort of listener-supported model that podcasters need? Yeah, look, I think, I mean, I hadn't heard of the memberful acquisition, but I'm just reading a thing on it now that makes a lot of sense. It says uh, already, it says Patreon has 2 million patrons paying an average of $12 each to a total of 100,000 creators. Which is which is great. I think that is the business model. That combined with crowds crowdfunding, like the Kickstarter model. I know a lot of podcasters have made that work for them. Uh, making building the infrastructure for patronage, uh, making that easier for most people, I think is absolutely the way forwards. Personally, I'm con- I, I'm concerned with handing that power over to a company like a Patreon. Because if, uh, let's say I spend two years building up 10,000 people paying me $12 a month and I've got a nice little business running there and then for whatever reason, Patreon closes its doors, uh, gets bought out, goes out of business, changes their pivots, their business model, then what? I'm up shit creek without a paddle again. So I'm a big believer in owning the infrastructure as much as possible that I run my business on, leasing out my billing model to somebody like this where I have limited control over the future concerns me. It would be different if there were 10 different Patreon-type businesses and I could port my billing infrastructure from one to the other like I can with a website, with a, with a, like a hosting provider. If I'm not happy with how Linode... Uh, providing me with virtual service space to run my websites, I can quite quite easily, bit of effort, but quite easily port it over to somebody else, another hosting provider. I can do that with where my media files are hosted, whether it's Blueberry or whether it's uh, Libsyn or another place. I can quite easily port my media files from one to the other. It's a bit of competition. But I'm not sure that that exists in the the patronage space yet. Yeah, it's a little bit concerning. But yeah, look, it's a step in the right direction. Re- recurring credit card charges is a hard one, I would imagine, to to be able to make it go, um, you know, portable like that. The interesting, the most interesting model that I've seen recently, uh, Cam, and I'm hopeful that this might get adopted in a broader way. Uh, Marco Arment, the developer for the Overcast app, has said that I don't think it's supported yet, but I think it's coming in the next update. He's going to have a thing where very simple code application you can put in your show notes and in your RSS feed as a whole. And it's literally one line of code. It's an HTML link effectively, but his app will see that, recognize it and resolve it as a little dollar symbol. So when you're in your show, if I'm listening to Cam's show or if I'm listening to an episode, there will be a little dollar symbol on the app that I can easily click. And that dollar symbol will then take me to whatever means you have set up for listener support. So if that's a direct PayPal link, it'll take you to a PayPal link and you can make a a payment there. If it's a Patreon or a member site or whatever it is, um, you know, one click from the app that you're listening to the thing in. If 
we could get support for such a thing in Apple, which will never happen as far as third payment uh, payment processing. But if, if it, we could at least get that adopted across all of the third-party apps, that would be a step in the right direction. You mentioned it in the very beginning, and I keep thinking it seems like every year there have been hints in different ways that like this might be the year that Apple opens it up and yet they continue to drag their feet. The fact that they have never decided to start taking some money from us podcasters by allowing us to charge our audience through their app blows my mind. I don't, what are they waiting on? Yeah, look, I've, I, at various times I've had good relationships with people in the upper echelons of Apple's podcasting, uh, divisions. And I've asked them the question. I've never really got any answers. I, I suspect it's possibly just the legal complexities of that. You know, the, the, they're opening themselves up to, I don't know, potential Alex Jones level, uh, court cases if they're, if they're wrapping a commercial model around content like that, um, I suspect that's possibly one of the issues. Um, I don't. I don't think there's anything in terms of the billing model or the hosting model that would be a concern for them. They obviously do it on a massive scale with music and TV and film. I, I suspect it's probably more of the the legal minefield that they'd be walking into. Hmm. Well, if that's the case, and and I don't think you're out of line at all by saying that. If that's the case, then I don't see any real future that that's resolved. The fact of the matter is, if we keep, if we keep podcasting open so that any Tom. Jane, Dick, or Harry can start one, then it will always be a potential minefield. You know, if there are no gatekeepers, then there's no one to guarantee Apple that they're not going to get sued. Yeah, sure. So it's not going to be uh, maybe uh, somebody the size of Apple that does it. We need to build an infrastructure separate to that. And I mean, that's why we have 4,000 podcast networks out there today that are all trying to figure out how to do this. How do we build an economic model around the production of content and the Patreons? It, you know, there'll be a lot of different solutions, I guess, that will hopefully evolve over time. But, you know, as, as a believer in independent media, and I, and I am, and I think that um, a lot of the problems that we're facing around the world today, your country and my country in particular, are the result of this consolidation of mainstream media that we've witnessed in the last 30 years, where you have a relatively small number of old, rich white guys that control the vast majority of what people read, watch, and listen to. The solution to a lot of our socioeconomic and political problems is diversification of the media, giving people ways to connect with new ideas and different ideas uh, that challenge their thinking, make them more aware of certain issues. Uh, so we need to be doing everything that we can to build that infrastructure out. I think it's incumbent upon all of us that are in this space to try and figure out how do we build economically sustainable models that enable a, a wide diversity of voices. And yeah, sometimes that's going to lead to Alex Jones, but you know, that's a risk we have to take. 
I agree strongly. One of the interesting ways that that you've been building out uh, your own business model, Cam, and and we're going to wrap up with this, is adding to it, continuing. You you mentioned independent media. That's a great way to describe what you're doing because it's not just podcasts. It's it's not just uh, writing. You mentioned earlier the film, and uh, you've got a book. So let's talk about those projects. Um, Tell everybody how they can keep an eye on what you're doing next and, and when we might be able to take a look at it. Oh, well, yeah. So the uh, 18 months or so ago, um, my, our audience was uh, generous enough to support a Kickstarter that I ran to raise funding to make a documentary on early Christianity. We're making a – I'm an atheist, um, uh, but I'm fascinated as a historian with um, early Christianity. How did this um, small Jewish personality cult from the backwaters of the Roman Empire end up taking over? the Roman Empire and having the power to make and break emperors and and uh, sort of being in control of so much of Western civilization for the next uh, 1,500 years. So uh, we raised funds for that and, and we uh, flow, flew around the world and interviewed a whole bunch of New Testament and biblical scholars to try and piece together that story. Again, from a secular perspective, it's not a faith-based film. It's a history-based film. But we have a lot of Christian biblical scholars on it. So you can follow that on deepdivedocumentaries.com. The book I've been working on with a friend of mine for the last five or six years, I think the title of it is probably going to be The Psychopath Economy. But we're exploring um, how psychopaths end up running our political organizational, corporate and religious sector and uh, some of the challenges that's presenting to us as a society and what we can do about it, how the 1% overlap with uh, the, the psychopaths in society. So, yeah, that should be coming out soon as well. There's some other film projects that are secret that Ray and I are working on. Uh, you can just, I don't know, follow me on CameronRiley.com, I guess, is probably the best place where I'll be updating people on those uh, sorts of things moving forwards. Awesome. Awesome. And all of those uh, links will be in the show notes too, that you can uh, check out and, and follow Cameron. And of course you can go back and listen to our review once upon a time of the life of Caesar podcast uh, in this feed as well. We talked about that. That was many, many moons ago. Um, Cam, Joel, I cannot tell you enough. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this morning, man. Thanks for the invite, man. It's always fun to talk about podcasting. All right. That is another episode of Always Listening. Until next time, check out all our reviews at alwayslisteningpod.com. And I've been Joel, and that's been Cam, and we are Always Listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all our reviews by searching Always Listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play Music app. Also, you can find us anytime at alwayslisteningpod.com or email us at alwayslisteningpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Enough by Bethany Raber.
Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.